Today, you might be in need of a comeback. Maybe you have been in an area of setbacks in your life, and you have seen a comeback. Maybe you have experienced a comeback. Or some, there could be some people here today or listening online that you, you could be in a situation where your whole life needs a comeback. Things are falling apart. You, have a, you continue to ignore some things. And some, some things happen because of our choices, the choices that we make. And some things happen because they just happen. Nothing that we did. And no matter what situation you could be in, it may not even be your whole life, it could be a particular area in your life, God wants to do a comeback in your life. Because he wants what's best for you because he loves you and he wants to see you thrive. And so whether it's a health comeback, a marriage comeback, financial, maybe a spiritual walk, maybe you grew up in church and you got out of church and you're here today or you're listening online, you're thinking, yes, pastor, that's me. I need a spiritual comeback. Because I feel like I am walking all alone. I feel like God has left me. In actuality, it's not God who's left, it's actually you who may have walked away. And so you may, be, you may have a sense of that you need a comeback today. Well, today is the beginning of your comeback call. Today is the beginning of your comeback call. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some biblical examples of comeback and how it's going to relate to your life. Because you could be asking the question in your seat or listening online, you could be asking the question, what does this have to do with me? Rather than people's stories of thousands of years ago, how can this apply to my life? We are going to answer that question. And you may, another question you may be asking is this, well, Frank, how do I get my comeback? I need a comeback. Well, let me tell you, it's not based on how hard you try. You don't try hard to do a comeback. Now, I mean, there have been people, obviously, we've seen some of these examples. Some of these examples in the video we played, people had a comeback because they just tried harder. God, made, God was involved in some of that, and God wasn't really you know, necessarily in, involved in a person's heart in there. He could have been with the circumstances, absolutely, because God's in control. But it's not all about just trying harder with our own strength as we get into uh, today's message. Um, it's not always a formula, but it does have sort of a starting point. It does have a starting point, and uh, we're going to see that in Psalm 63.1. Now, I'm going to have it, have it about, two or, uh, about three or four passages of the scripture today, and um, this isn't my main scripture here, but I want to I share something here with Psalm 63, verses 1 through 4, and it's a Psalm of David when he was in the desert. It says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Is that you? Could that be you today in a certain area in your life? You're looking at the mirror you're looking at your, your marriage, you're looking at your checkbook, you're looking at your relationships. Could this be you, or maybe you know of someone who's in a dry land and you're searching, you're calling out to God. David here shows us that he's 
in need of a comeback. Well, we see this as we continue verse 2. I've seen you in the sanctuary. I beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. We see here that the beginning of a comeback is actually praise to God. David gives us a starting point. You praise God. Our, our very first song, okay, that we sang, and even songs like, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. We sang that this morning. Our worship lined up perfectly with what we're talking about today because it doesn't matter through the storms of life. We are going to lift up the name of Jesus. We are going to praise his name. And let me tell you, that's difficult to do. We mentioned that a little bit in our Philippians series that we closed, that we ended last week. You should go listen to that online, lakepointonline.com. And as you listen to that, you'll see that we rejoice no matter what the circumstances. It's very difficult, but you will find strength because the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's not about uh, the things that happen around us. It's deep joy. And so when we get to the place where we can have joy and we can praise the name of the Lord our God, no matter what is happening, in our life, no matter what kind of setback, whether we cause it or just happened, no matter what setback or need of a comeback we have, we're in need of, we are to praise the name of the Lord our God. Well, I can't think of, of a better comeback story than the story of Joseph. We actually sp uh, spent some time with Joseph uh, several months ago when we, when we did a series based on Joseph. And this is at the Mary and Joseph, the Christmas Joseph. This is the, uh, the Old Testament Joseph and um, as part of you know, the family of Abraham. And we find Joseph as a teenager. He had 11 brothers. And, but Joseph was the favorite. Uh, the, the father uh, picked Joseph, just was... He just liked him better. And he even made him a coat of many colors. And it was very, very obvious. And, and, and Joseph wore that coat. You know, he just reminded his brothers. He was, he was a little bit arrogant. And then, God also, uh, not only did, um, did his father choose him for that, but God gave him a dream that one day his 11 brothers would bow down before him. And that's just crazy to think that. And so, because of that, his brothers, when they were out in the field somewhere and they were far away from home, his brothers decided, you know what, we're going we're gonna to take care of this guy. He keeps running his mouth, just a teenage, teenage brat. And so, they sold him into slavery, told the father, hey, he, he was killed. So, they sold him into slavery and was shipped to Egypt. So, here we find Joseph in a setback, a major setback of rejection. But just, but just when um, there, was a, there was a setback in his life, he, he chose not to let that ruin his walk and his faithfulness to God. In fact, he did his best for God because while he was a slave, in the home of Potiphar, Potiphar trusted Joseph to run his entire estate. And 
not only his, his estate, but his slaves, his other slaves, and his, his business practices, everything. God gave him favor. So Joseph now had a comeback. Way to go, Joseph. You trusted in God. You walked in faithfulness. You didn't blame God. He had walked in faithfulness. And so God gave him a comeback. But through that comeback, there could also be a setback. A setback. Um, you know, just, just when you think you've made a comeback, something else could cause a setback. For instance, you could come back from, from a bad health diagnosis or, or maybe, maybe a cure from cancer or, or whatever it is, whatever health issue you have, and, and you're coming back from that, and God has, God has healed you in that. But then you get a report that you've been let go from your job. A setback. Doesn't it seem to happen? You, you're, you're, you've arrived out of the, the, the desert, out of the dryness, into a comeback for, by the grace of God, and then yet he, um, and then yet you experience a setback. And that's exactly what Joseph felt. He, um, after the rejection of his brothers, he faced a setback of false accusations because Potiphar's wife really liked Joseph. In fact, she wanted him. And so there they were in the house by themselves, and uh, uh, Joseph uh, was caught by himself with, uh, with Potiphar's wife, and uh, she tempted him in the bedroom, but he did not fall for it. He ran away. Potiphar's wife grabbed his outer coat, and she kept it as evidence to tell Potiphar that Joseph was trying to seduce her. False accusation. False accusation. So what happened? Potiphar threw him in, in prison. Setback. Man. Rejected by his brothers, he made a comeback. He's over Potiphar's household. Falsely accused. Setback. Two things that, that he didn't really cause himself. And sometimes that can happen. So here is Joseph in prison, but he kept his hope and faith in God alive. But even in prison, Joseph used his abilities and his talents, especially the gift of interpreting dreams. So not only did the guards place him in charge of the other prisoners, so here he is, he's making a comeback. Yeah, everybody's cheering for Joseph. Everybody loves Joseph. And so they're cheering him, we're cheering him on as we read this story, as, and you can find the story in Genesis, and as you're reading the story, you're cheering him on, you know, like, yes, go, Joseph, you could do this. And he's making a comeback, he's using his gifts, he's interpreting dreams. For instance, the, the cupbearer of Pharaoh, and the baker, the head baker of Pharaoh's uh, court, they were in prison for something that they've done, and they each had a, had a dream. It was a bad dream that, they, that they, they were troubled by. And so Joseph interpreted them correctly because in just three days, the, the cupbearer was promoted back to his position and the baker was executed in three days, the same day. And it was just as, as Joseph had interpreted. And Joseph asked the cupbearer, 
Okay, when, you're, when you are promoted, he, he didn't even talk to the baker. He said, baker, just enjoy your three days. But the cupbearer, he's like, when you get promoted, could you please remember me and speak highly of me to Pharaoh? Because you're right there by Pharaoh. You're the cupbearer to the, to the most powerful man in the world. Remember me. He got there, nothing. Silence. I mean, I can imagine Joseph was getting ready to go. He's like, sure, surely the cupbearer, he, he, the, the cupbearer saw that the, that the baker was executed and that he was promoted, and there was the evidence right there. It wasn't luck. And so Joseph was probably thinking, oh, I, I know this is going to happen. He's going to talk about me favorably to Pharaoh, and I'm going to get out of here. Man, I'm ready. I mean, he took a shower, I bet. He probably shaved. He probably, you know, gave his, his, his corner, his nice big corner prison jail cell to somebody else, all right? And, um, and he was changing his clothes. He was getting things ready, telling goodbye. Nothing. Two years. Nothing but crickets for two years. You ever been in that situation? You feel like, man, this is... This is going to happen. This is going to happen. It, it's, it's finally going to come about. Like, for instance, you could be in a job, you could be in a financial situation where you're just not making it. You're in debt, but then there's this job opportunity that comes, and it's going to double your salary. And then not only that, you know people. Like, you know people that work there, high up in the company. And you're like, oh, just talk about me. Just help me to get this position. And they're doing that, and you're like, man, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. I'm making a plan to get rid of my debt. I'm getting, making a plan to you know, buy, buy a more reliable car, this kind of stuff. And you're making all these plans, and you're just ready. And then you hear that someone less qualified than you got the position. Forgotten. Looked over. You ever been looked over? You ever been looked over? Have you ever been forgotten? Major setback. You know, whatever dream you may have, whatever aspiration. You know, your, your broken dreams, you could be in a place where your broken dream of a comeback only confirms your current nightmare. This is Joseph. He was rejected, falsely accused, and now forgotten. But he stayed faithful to the Lord. Because we know this. At just the right time, someone needed Joseph. At just the right time, someone is going to need you. And you're going to be needed in a very powerful way. Because God gave Pharaoh a dream. I should give him a couple of dreams, and they were nightmares. And, and no one could interpret them. His wise counsel couldn't do this. And, and, and I can just imagine the cupbearer standing there with a glass of wine with the, with the Pharaoh going, hmm, this looks oddly familiar. Wait, I know a guy. There's a guy in prison. He's just been there a couple of years. Hey, Pharaoh, just... Maybe you ought to talk to him because he, he interpreted these dreams right on. And Pharaoh's like, well, go get him. 
So finally, they clean him up, takes a shower, shaves, gets going, and he stands before Pharaoh, getting ready to begin his interpretation session 101. Man, he's ready. You know, if it was me, I was like, finally, I get to use my skill. It's like the coach calling you up. You've been sitting on a bench, and it's like, finally, I'm going to show, I'm going to prove, I'm going to show this Pharaoh what I can do. That's not exactly anywhere near the attitude of Joseph. Because, see, that little arrogant punk that we saw earlier with the, with the coat of many colors and and sharing the dream of his brothers bowing down, which if you ever had that, you probably shouldn't say that. But that same little punk is older now, wiser now, and has experienced some setbacks and comebacks and setbacks and comebacks. So he approaches the Pharaoh. And we see this in Genesis 4.16. He says this, I cannot do it. <laughs> I cannot do it. That's not something that Pharaoh really wanted to hear. If you get a job promotion and you sit down and, 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 the, uh, and your boss says, why should I give this to you? And you say, I cannot do it. But you want this job. That's not really the best way. Or the coach calls you up. Hey, we need, it. we need you. And you look at the coach. Coach, I cannot do it. That's not really totally what you, they want to hear. But here is where Joseph approaches with humility because he says, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Notice he, he took himself out of the equation. God's not going to give Joseph the interpretation. God's going to give me the interpretation. I shall now give you the interpretation. Listen to the interpretation that I have. That's not in there at all. It's not. God will give who? Pharaoh. The interpretation he desires. It takes no credit. There's nothing but humility. May I suggest, when your time of a comeback comes, and it will, I suggest humility and trust in only what God can do. And as you know, Joseph interprets the dreams, seven years of, of abundance, and then seven year, followed by seven years of famine. And not only that, God, God promotes him. He has a major comeback. Probably, probably the best comeback of all time. We've seen some pretty good comebacks in the video. There's been, you probably know more comebacks. But the greatest comeback of, of all time, I think, is Joseph going from prison to second in command of the most powerful nation in the world at the time in five minutes. Unbelievable. But he doesn't give glory to himself. He gives glory to God. And so Pharaoh has Joseph second in command overseeing all of this. But God wasn't done with Joseph. You see, far away in the land of Canaan was Joseph's brothers and his father and his family. And so they were experiencing the same famine. And so the, the brothers came over, sent by the father, came to Egypt to purchase grain because they were starving. Many people have died in that part of the country. If Egypt did not store up seven years of abundance, that whole region of the world 
would have died because of this great famine. But his brothers came, and Joseph was not recognized by his brothers. They were not. He was not. They, they came to him, and guess what they did? They bowed down to him, just like Joseph's dream. They bowed down to him, but Joseph still walked in humility, still walked in faithfulness. After a few, few days and, and of different interactions between Joseph and his brothers, the big reveal came when Joseph said, look, hey, guys, it's me. And we see this in Genesis 45, three through six. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? Can you imagine? They, they thought Joseph was, I mean, probably figured he was dead after years of slavery or moved on or probably still in slavery. But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified in his presence and probably shocked. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into, into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Can you imagine? Joseph could have stopped at the end of verse four. I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And just stopped. Can you imagine what they would have thought? They're like, oh my God. He's, he's about to lower the boom. We're about to die. But no. Joseph went on to say, look, look guys, don't be distressed. Because see, God has given me the big picture. I now see what all of this means. I now see what God has been doing. Because if you would not have rejected me, and if I would have not have been falsely accused and thrown into prison, and if I would not have been forgotten, and all of these setbacks, then I would not be standing here today being able to save this region of the world and ultimately my family. He shares God's great plan. God worked all things for his good, and he still does today. So I'm gonna share with you just a few things that we can get out of Joseph's story that could help you with your comeback. Number one, your story is a part of God's story. Your story is a part of God's story. Joseph's story was just a scene in the big movie that God was producing. And the same could be said for you. Yes, even your setbacks. Your setbacks and your comebacks is part of God's story. Your life counts for the glory of God. If we don't embrace the bigger picture, then we are in trouble because all of our smaller dreams are subject to change. That overarching dream of what God has, that, that big picture, that, that movie that God has, it's there and we need to embrace it. All of this had to happen to Joseph in order for God 
to complete his story. And know this, he, he finally understood, my brothers aren't in charge, Potiphar's not in charge, Potiphar's wife's not in charge, the baker's not in charge, the cupbearer's not in charge, even Pharaoh is not in charge. Only God is in charge. How can we use that? Your boss is not in charge. Your illness is not in charge. Your bank account is not in charge. That, that crazy neighbor is not in charge. Kids, your parents are in charge. But in all seriousness, we, we have got to understand who is in charge and that your setback is just a snapshot, a scene in the great movie that God is producing. We have to come in understanding that our setbacks are just a setup for the comeback God wants to display in your life. Our setback is a setup for the comeback that God wants to do for his glory. Let me say that again. Your setback is a setup for the comeback that God wants to do in your life to show forth his glory. You have to understand that. It's part of God's bigger plan. Number two, God goes the distance with you. God was with Joseph the entire way. Don't ever let the enemy say that if God is really with you, then your circumstances would be different. Don't ever let the enemy say that. Or if you hear the enemy say in your head, if God really loved you, he would do something different for you. Let me tell you something. God is there with you in the pit. He's with you when you're sold to traitors. He's with you in the auction block. He's with you in Potiphar's house and while you're facing temptation in the bedroom. He's with you in jail. He's with you when the cupbearer forgets you. When you're back in Pharaoh's court, he's with you. Through the years of plenty and the years of lean, God is with you the entire time. And Joseph understood that. Don't ever think that God has left you. He's with you in the middle of your setback. Whether you caused it or not, God is with you in your setback. Number three, we need to do our best for the master. This is a third perspective we can adopt from Joseph's story. We wanna do our best. Let's not adapt the attitude that says this, I was stabbed in the back and I'm stuck in this situation and should have had better So I'll just sort of apathetically go through the motions. Don't ever take the apathetic approach. Don't ever give up. We want to do our best. You know, as I said in the the point number two, God never leaves us. So God was there with Joseph. He never left him. And Joseph understood that. And so that's why he did his best when God was there. Because guess what? God was watching Listen, church, you need to listen. And you're listening online. You need to listen to this. In your setback, God is watching. God is there, and God is watching. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Don't live like God is not watching. And he's not, not watching like this. We'll see if he messes up. He, he's there 
ready to cheer you on. He wants the best. He wants you to make the comeback. He's like in the sideline of a Rocky movie. He's there. He's cheering you on. Don't live like God's not watching. I see this a little bit in, in, in my kid's life when, when sometimes I'd, I'd pick up my kids from car riders. <laughs> I'd, I'd pick them up at the school and I'd drive up and they're, they're talking to their friends, right, in the front of the school and they see me. We even make eye contact. So they know that I'm there, right? What do they do? Do they pick up their, their book pack and back, back sack or whatever it's called now? Do, do, they, do they take all their, their belongings and do they walk towards me? No. We make eye contact, no acknowledgement, none of this, even of this, you know, whatever. They turn their back and they just keep talking because they don't want their friends to know that they, they, they want it to be cool about it. And so at just the right moment, they're like, all right, see you guys later, and they walk in and they go, I'm like, and I'm sitting there another five, 10 minutes. And I'm like, okay, I'm about to lay on this horn. It's like, we do that sometimes. Sometimes we, we get caught up in, in what's going on around us. We, we live our life as if God is not watching. And don't ever do that in the middle of your setback. Number four, comeback isn't about payback. Comeback isn't about payback. Joseph's story teaches us to be gracious when the tide turns because we know we are in the plan of God and not the plan of man. You know, let's, let's be honest. The great thing we love about Joseph's story is that we, if we were in that story, probably we would be like, we'd lower the boom. We'd like, the brothers are there. Oh, yeah, you're bowing. I told you. I told you, Right? And you would lower the boom. You, 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 want to turn your, you want to turn your comeback into a payback. I'm going to pay you back for what you did for me. Hey, guys, it's probably not the best approach. You know, if, if you're looking for a comeback only so you, you could stick it to somebody who was unfair to you, then you need to stop right there and learn something from Joseph. When you get your comeback, it's a powerful thing to extend grace. It's not about a payback. It's about a comeback. And the last thing, number five, it's a salvation story. It's a salvation story. You know, the final perspective we can adopt is that your struggle is actually about someone else's salvation. You know, Jesus himself was born from the lineage of, of Abraham's family. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, one of those being Joseph. Jesus was from the lineage of that family. If, if and I was saying this earlier, if Joseph would not have gone through all of that, that whole region would have died with that severe famine, and we would not have the, the family lineage for Jesus. What Joseph did not only saved his family, what Joseph did was to save mankind by preserving the family for the line of Jesus. You know, your, your comeback could be about 
our salvation story. And here, here's how I know. When people watch how you properly handle your setbacks and how God brings you to your comeback, lives will be changed. I believe people will give their heart to Christ. Man, how they handled that, that setback. What a comeback. Changed our life. Changed our life. You know how many people became golf fans after Tiger Woods just won this Masters? What an incredible comeback. Amazing comeback. From where he was? I mean, I watched golf to fall asleep. But now, I, I really like golf. I can't play it well. I'm horrible at it. But I'm like, man, when Tiger Woods now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch him. Because we're all part of the story. You will change lives. Are you ready for a comeback? It doesn't matter what you've done or how close you are to the end of your rope. You can cry out to God. We see this at the crucifixion, at the cross. Jesus in the middle, two thieves on the side. In Luke chapter 23, verse 39 through 43, we see this. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for what we are getting, for what, for we are getting what we deserve, our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said this, this is important. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. You know, biblical historians and scholars say something very interesting about this area, this hill called Golgotha. It was outside the city gates and the city walls, so outside of Jerusalem, and it was actually a place where people would come and take their, their trash. It was a dump. It was a landfill. In fact, the reason why they crucified people there is not only do they get to show people who are traveling on the road what the Roman, how powerful the Roman government is, and you don't mess with the Roman government, but when no family members, and it happened often, when no family members would come and collect the bodies after they died on the, on, on the, on the cross, because crucifixions happened all the time. When no family members arrived to take care of the body, they would just take the body and just throw it off to the side because it's part of a landfill, part of a junkyard. And the birds would come and take care of that. Have you ever been to a landfill? Oh. You know, just right around the corner here, there's a landfill in our mission. You know, I, I've taken a couple of my boys in the past in my truck. We'd had a lot of stuff we'd load up in the back of the truck, and, and we'd drive in there, and, and they'd get the response like, wow, this is, this is, this is a horrible place. It looks awful. It's like, yeah, I'm about to make you into a man. And they would look at me like, really? Well, how? Just wait. And as soon as they opened the door, those of you who've been to the landfill know exactly what I'm talking about. As soon as they open the door, the stench comes in 
and fills their nostrils and their lungs. And they now understand. And their first response is, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can I tell you something? Jesus brought paradise to a landfill on the cross. He brought paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. He brought hope in a landfill. If your life is looking like a landfill and even smelling like a landfill, it doesn't even have to be your whole life. Just some areas in your life. Let me tell you something. Jesus proved he'll He'll go with you to the landfill. He will be there. He will provide hope. And he will help with the comeback. Because Jesus had a comeback all his own. Because three days later, after he died on the cross, he had the most incredible comeback of all time. And it's when God raised him from the dead. Defeated death, hell, and the grave. And lives forevermore in heaven on his throne. Jesus can bring a paradise to your landfill, to your setback, and get you ready for a comeback. And it's really interesting, as, as, as I close, you see in Jesus, in this whole situation of Jesus, of going to the cross and dying and rising from the dead, he showed these attributes that we find in David, I mean, in uh, Joseph. He showed that his story was a part of a bigger story that God was doing. He showed that God will go the distance with him. God never left him, never forsook him, until all the sin of the world was laid upon him and God turned his head. But that's the only time in history where God will ever do that. God would never leave us forsake us. He had to. He had to at that moment. And also, Jesus did his best. He did his best. He, climbed, he took that cross. He climbed that hill. He did his best for his father. And his comeback wasn't about a payback. You know, Jesus didn't rise from the dead and then go kick uh, some butts of some Roman soldiers. Wait, you, you and you, you guys. I mean, he, he didn't go Captain America on them and beat him up because they crucified him. It wasn't about payback. It was about a comeback. And of course, his comeback was about salvation. Salvation. So wherever you find yourself in, whatever area in your life, God is rooting for you for a comeback.